0: Okay, if uh, people want to grab their seats. So we've been going through this, this series called Love Revolution. How, how many of you know that our city is in need of a love revolution? How many of you know that our world is in need of a ro- love revolution? And you and I are part of the answer to that. You and I are part of the solution. You know, we, we can either be people that complain or we can be people that create. But you cannot do both. And, and this is something that, you know, is sad. It weighs on my heart when I see that there's a, a lot of criticism that goes on. And, and part of me gets frustrated with that. and thinking, why don't you stop complaining and start creating, start bringing a solution to the problems in the world today. I want to share our key scripture, which we've been using for this Love Revolution series, and it's in Mark chapter 12, verse 30 to 31. And this is in the context here, Jesus is being asked a question, which one is the greatest commandments of all? Jesus had lots of options, not just the Ten Commandments, but this was his response. He said this, love the Lord your God with all, everyone say all, of all of your heart and with all of your soul and with all of your mind and with all of your strength. Can you see there that it's about every part of your being, spirit, soul and body, we're to love God. And then he goes on to say, the second is this, love your neighbor as yourself. There is no commandment greater than these. So just to have a little recap of what we've you know, looked at during this series, we looked at the importance of loving God. You were created to love God. You were created to know God and to make him known. And God is love. It's not just something that he demonstrates, it's who he is. It's the core essence. He is love. Everything about God is love. God demonstrated that in that Jesus dying on the cross was a demonstration of his love for you and for me. You know, words can be cheap, but actions are expensive. And Jesus laid down his life for you and for me. And it's important that we have this love for God. God wants us to to have that loving relationship with him. So we have the vertical aspect of love. And I think there's lots of things that compete for our attention that try and distract us from loving the one that we were created by and for this is the most important love to get first. When we have that love for God. I think, you know, we often throw that word around so cheaply, you know, you get a nice drink. Oh, I love that drink. We have a meal. Oh, I loved that meal. Um, Oh, did you watch that program on the TV last night? Oh, I love that program. And again, it's kind of cheapening what it means, but actually love is so much more than this. And we looked at A few weeks ago, how the, you know, often when we think about love, we think about the kind of the Hollywood definition, which is often all about kind of how you feel. But actually, love is a choice. It's a decision. It involves sacrifice. And the reality is, sometimes you don't always feel like doing certain things, responsibilities. But when you're in love, you do it. Love demands a response there has to be evidence for the love that we have so first of all it's about vertical love but it's not just enough for us to have a revelation about God's love for us and our love for God but it's also about spreading it out as well it's the horizontal love that we are to share God's love with other people how do we do that we do that in lots of different ways We do it by spending time with people, taking interest in people. You know, asking questions is a really powerful way to communicate God's love. And that's something that we can do. You don't have to have a degree in theology. You don't have to be a rocket scientist. We can all share God's love. And it's a universal language which is understood by everyone. We share God's love. We can share it through acts of random kindness. We can share it through our generosity. So we are called to love others. And Jesus was pretty radical with his teaching because he didn't just say, love your family. He didn't just say, love your mates. He didn't just say, those that are really nice to you, love them only, exclusively. No, Jesus went further and he said, even love your enemies. And some of us, I know that message that was preached, we're like, I don't know if I can do that. But this is the thing, it's not about what you can do in your own strength. When you are filled with the power of the Holy Spirit, he enables you to love even those who appear to be unlovely. And here's the thing, it's love that brings about the transformation in other people's lives when we express, when we share, when we, when we demonstrate God's love, it changes people from the inside out. So we have the vertical love, we have the horizontal love, but then we have the inner love. We looked at this whole concept of what it means to love yourself. Jesus said, "Love your, as you love your neighbor, you are to love yourself. So it's really important that we love ourselves. Now, please hear me. I'm not talking about the kind of carnal love that, you know, often you hear people, oh, yeah, he loves himself. Oh, she really loves herself. I'm not talking about the egotistical, I'm better than everyone else, um, arrogant kind of prideful love. I'm talking about the genuine kind of healthy love, authentic love, the the love that we're encouraged to in the word of God. So God wants us to be people that learn to be at peace. Are you at peace with yourself? Just something just to reflect on. Do I love myself? Am I happy in my own skin? We looked at how the Sometimes we we struggle to love ourselves for different reasons. One of those reasons would be guilt and shame. Maybe there's mistakes that you've made in your past. Maybe there's wrong decisions that you made and as a result you feel really guilty, you feel shameful. Or, or maybe there's certain things that were done to you or said to you and as a result you kind of feel a little bit like damaged goods You feel like, oh, I feel really, really guilty. I feel really, I feel this shame. But part of the good news message of the gospel is that Jesus came to set you free from all guilt and shame. So if you are carrying any guilt and shame, I want to say this you don't have to carry it anymore. You don't have to carry it, you can cast it at the foot of the cross. You can offload that stuff because Jesus offers us forgiveness. And some of you might say, but but, pastor, you don't know the the bad things that I've done in my life. This is the good news message. That it doesn't matter how bad a sin you might have committed, Jesus died on the cross to pay for the penalty of your sin and my sin. And whether we miss it by... By an inch or we miss it, by a mile, we fall short of God's perfect standards. The Bible says that we've all fallen short of the glory of God. We've missed the mark. So if you, you know, have used this illustration before, but let's say that, you know, there's a massive chasm that I have to jump. Let's say this, you know, chasm goes all the way along from from the, the edge of the stage here to the end of the building. And I have to run and jump and, and see how far I can go. And I don't know, maybe I might, I might be able to get to where Chosen is. And I'll be like, wow, that's quite, pretty impressive. But the reality is I've still fallen short. Okay? Uh, maybe someone else, I don't know, Josh is quite athletic. I see Josh there. Maybe Josh runs and he jumps. And he's able to get to where Adam and Jody are. Okay, maybe someone comes in and he's like a specialist, a long jumper, and he's like, oh yeah, this is what, this is my strength, I'm really, I've trained for this. And he runs and he jumps, and maybe he can get to like maybe where Billy is. But the point is, <laughs> if this is a massive chasm and a void here, and if you're going to fall down, you're going to die, the reality is, does it matter whether, you know, get to Chosen, whether we, you know, get as far as Josh, whether you know, go even beyond that, like, If you've fallen short, you've fallen short. And this is the whole thing that sometimes we get into this. Oh, well, you know, I want to perform. No, the reality is we've all fallen short of the glory of God. We've all missed the perfect standard. And that is why Jesus came and he bridged the gap. Sometimes we see the picture, don't we, of the cross that joins the the two sides of the cliff. He is the bridge. It's not, Christianity is not about do, it's about done. <laughs> it's what he has done. And as a result of his grace, what he has done, he has made a way. So when I get to heaven one day, and you know, sometimes they talk about St. Peter's there, or you know, the, the angels are there, and I was like, why should we allow you in? Now, I don't think it's going to be like that, but let's say in that scenario it happens like, the reality is, I'm not going to be saying, well, I know my Bible really well and I've read it, you know, multiple times, cover to cover. And, you know, my church attendance, I've, you know, attended church so many, you know, thousands of times. And, you know, I, I love to sing worship and I've given lots of, my, I've given my tithe and my offering and, you know, all of those things. Not say they're bad things, they're good things. But the reality is, none of that can get me into heaven. You need to know this, good people don't go to heaven, forgiven people go to heaven. And the whole message of grace is that you cannot earn it. You can run and you can make your best attempt, but we all fall short. So when we put our faith and our trust in Jesus, what we're saying is not about what I can do, it's about what you have done. And I choose to put my faith and trust in you, this is the good news message. We don't have to carry guilt and shame, we can offload that baggage at the foot of the cross. Sometimes we struggle to love ourselves because of the lies that we have believed. Sometimes we believe wrong things about ourselves. Maybe that other people have said. Maybe it might have been an overbearing you know, parent. Maybe it could have been a critical school teacher. Sometimes it's about what we think about ourselves. And we, we listen to these lies and it can end up limiting us in our life. There's an exercise that. sometimes like to do with people, and this might be helpful for you guys, because this is not just about, you know, what I can do. You are all on a mission. You have all been called by God to make a positive difference in the world. One of the things that I like to do when talking about lives and truths with people is encourage people, get a blank sheet of paper, put a line down the middle, at the top, on one side, put lies, and then on the other side, write down truth. And then what you encourage that person to do is think about what are the lies that you have believed in your life that have held you back? What are those negative voices? What are those criticisms? What are those limiting beliefs? And you begin to write them down. You encourage them. And sometimes it takes time, meditation, to kind of unravel some of that stuff. Because some of you, you know, sometimes you might, you might not realize it's a lie. For you, you might think it's the truth. So as they begin to write down their lies, maybe it's like, I'm not good enough. I'm, I'm never going to achieve. I'm, I'm, you know, I'm, I'm never going to overcome. I'm never going to get, you know, a partner or, you know, I'm never going to be fulfilled in my life or whatever it might be. I'm too fat, I'm too thin. You write the lie down and then you ask God. Sometimes it's helpful to have someone else with you, praying, giving you some encouragement. So so then you ask, so what is the truth? So if it's someone who's dealing with maybe issues of rejection, the lie might be, I'm rejected. Maybe there might have been an experience you know, that made you think that way, feel that way, take that on board. So they say, right, that's the lie, I'm rejected. But what does the truth of God's word say? And in the Bible it says, you are accepted in the beloved. So then what you do, was really, really helpful, you can turn this list into a prayer. So you can take them one by one and say, right, I'm going to reject the lies, and I'm going to announce the truths. So you can take that list. And I I encourage every one of you, you can all do this. You can all do this to help other people. It's a great tool to to have in your toolbox to help lead people into greater freedom. Because Jesus came to set us free. So I would use that and say, right, I renounce the lie that I am rejected. And I declare the truth, I proclaim the truth, that I am accepted in the beloved. Very simple prayer. But then you can also make that as part of your your affirmations, part of your declarations, that you can speak God's word. You can speak that truth because there will be times that maybe you're tempted to go back to that lie to to believe that lie again and then you sometimes you have to encourage yourself and say no that is wrong i am accepted i am included jesus died for me he you know i'm so important to that he that he died for me because he loved me i like to think about the the pig in the bedroom illustration I want you to think about just for a moment that you are in your bedroom, you're just waking, out, uh, waking up, you know, you're just about to get out of bed and then suddenly the door flies open and in comes this big, fat, snorting, hairy, dirty pig. And the pig wants to run havoc in your bedroom and he's trying to grab your covers and pull them off and he's trying to roll around in, in, on your nice cream carpet and uh, he's trying to drink your, your morning cup of tea and, and he's making all this noise and all this commotion like, what would you do in that moment? <laughs> Some of you like, I'd be jumping on the bread screaming, ah! What you should be saying is, get out of my bedroom. You do not belong here. This is not the place for you. But here's the thing. As crazy as that illustration sounds, so many times we allow the pig into the bedroom to run amok, to get all our sheets dirty, to drink our cup of tea, and then, and then it almost becomes a norm that we almost adapt our life and think that that's normal. And this is a picture of lies of the enemy, that the enemy tries to come in with these lies to, to run havoc in our lives. But we've got to kick those lies out. Turn to your neighbor and say, kick the lies out. Don't tolerate the pigs. <laughs> Sometimes we we struggle to love ourselves because of a lack of knowledge of God's love. Because we can have a distorted view of God. And that's why it's important to read the Bible. That's why it's really important to know what the Word of God says. Because you meet so many people that have a, a view of God that is off. And they say, well, I don't believe in God because, you know, he's angry and he's like this you know, militant policeman or this, you know, uh, angry taskmaster. And, you know, when people say that, I'm like, I don't believe in that God either. So Because that's a right, you know, that is not the God I serve. That's not the God I believe in. God is love. He's good. He's perfect in all of his ways. But sometimes in our life, we can have these shattered lenses that we're looking through that we see things in a distorted way. And so that's why it's important in Hosea 4.6, it says, my people perish for lack of knowledge. So sometimes we have a lack, we, we we don't see God in his true light. And as a result, it holds us back from walking in the fullness of all that God has for us. So it's important that we We renew our mind. Romans 12.2 says, you know, don't copy the ways of this world or don't be conformed to the ways of this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. What does that mean? Change the way you think. Some of us got stinking thinking that needs to be dealt with, that needs to be cleaned up. And when we read the word of God, it helps us to align with the truth that sets us free. You know, comparison is another area as well. Comparison is the thief of joy. You never win when you compare yourself to someone else because you either think that you're better than them and therefore pride and arrogance kicks in or you think that you're lesser than them and you're undervaluing who God's made you to be. So what are some other signs that suggest a lack of self-love? What about negative self-talk? Do you often speak to yourself in a negative, critical and unkind way? Do you find yourself at times being harsh or ungracious with yourself? Perhaps maybe you find yourself thinking or saying things like, I'm so stupid. Why do I make so many mistakes? I'm never going to get this right. I'm not worthy to be loved by God. It's negative self-talk. Sometimes, you know, I come across people that, you know, I'll I'll counsel and and, and share. It's kind of, it's part of my role. It's part of all of our role, really, as believers. It's part of all of our role. And sometimes I get people that I'm shocked because they're so loving and gracious with other people. But when it comes to themselves, they become very angry very critical, very ungracious, and it's an alarm bell going off. You know, sometimes on the dashboard you get, when you're out driving your car, you might get a light that pops up, a red light. Why does it pop up? It pops up to say something's wrong and needs to be fixed. And so when we get these moments that we go off, it's it's... Pointing out something needs to be changed. And, and, you know, we can be very gracious with other people, but but are you gracious with yourself? This is part of learning to love yourself in a healthy, appropriate, God-honoring, fulfilling the great commandment part, is it that you you reject that negative self-talk. And the reality is, like, we're all going to make mistakes. We're all going to get it wrong at times. You know, sometimes you, some of you might, you know, knock something over and, oh, you get angry and suddenly you flare up. And it's like, does it really matter? I saw someone, uh, I got shown a, a post yesterday about something and uh This person was really enraged about something that someone else did. And there were comments and people were jumping on the bandwagon and commenting about this. And then um, someone put a comment, first world problem. I thought, he knows it. Because so many times we complain about stuff. That's not even really that important. We need to be gracious and loving towards ourselves. So how can you stop? How can you, you change the way that you speak to yourself or you, you, your internal dialogue? How can you change it from being a negative one to a positive one? Be gracious towards yourself. Sometimes it's helpful to say, if someone else came to me and told me about this mistake, what would I say to them? So, oh, Alan, it doesn't matter. We all make mistakes. Get back up. Go again. That's what we'd advise, but the reality is when it happens to us, we end up being very, very harsh. So that can be an indication. If you have negative self-talk or negative internal dialogue, it can be a sign. It can suggest that there's a lack of self-love. Here's another one. Unrealistic standards. Unrealistic standards. Sometimes these can be self-imposed. I'll put my hand up for this one because sometimes I put a high standard, a high expectation on myself. Sometimes we can take it from other people. Maybe it could be a, you know, sometimes it comes from a parent. We feel we have to live up, but it's an unrealistic standard. And and, and therefore, we constantly live out of this sense of I'm always, I'm not good enough. I'm always falling short. Now, like I say, it's good to know that we fall short of God's perfect standards. That's a good thing. But God doesn't want us to be in this place of constant condemnation where we feel like we're taking on this label of "you're a failure. Sometimes we can allow others to project their standards, their unrealistic standards on us. Now, let me say, it's not wrong to aim high and have high expectations, but we do need to be realistic. And when we fall short, yes, of course, we learn from it, but don't let it weigh you down. What's another sign that suggests a lack of self-love? This is a big one, especially in the Western world. Neglecting your health and well-being. Neglecting your health and well-being. Do you misuse substances such as alcohol or drugs that are not for medical purposes? Do you overeat? Do you regularly put things into your system that are not cleansing you but rather clogging you? Do you neglect daily exercise? Remember this, movement is medicine. Turn to your neighbor and say, movement is medicine. So I want to say this, word of advice, each and every one of you, you should be exercising minimum for 20 to 30 minutes every day. I know that's an ouchie for some of you. Some of you are like, yeah, I got this. Okay. This, please understand, this is not a message of condemnation. This is not about you're doing all these things wrong. This is about calling you up higher. Saying, God's got more for you. He wants you to walk in the fullness. He's given you keys of the kingdom that unlock stuff. And we should. Be exercising at least 20 to 30 minutes every day. And this should include getting your heart rate up and sweating. Okay, some of you are thinking about it, thinking, okay, I shouldn't have come to church this morning. (laughs) God wants you to live a holistic life, spirit, soul, and body. Do you know that your body is a temple of the Holy Spirit? And yet, so often we defile our temple. It's a temple of the Holy Spirit. It's a holy thing. God has given it to you. Now, it's going to look different for different people. So I'm not going to get into prescribing. For some of you, it might be walking. I know some of you remember Danny Oates, who's done a lot of worship here. Danny Oates was massive. He was really big. He had a lot of weight, and it was causing a lot of health problems, okay? And and he, all he started doing was just walking, just a little bit of walking. Every day, he'd go for a walk, and as a result, he gradually started, you know, the, the weight started shifting, and, and, you know, the health issues started being addressed, and he felt more energy and more enthusiasm for life, and... God wants us to be people that, that are healthy and well. God wants us to walk in the fullness. What about this one? Are you getting enough sleep at night? Sometimes this can be a sign of a lack of self-love, that you're not getting enough sleep. Some of you get too much sleep. So you've got to get the balance right here. You can swing the pendulum the wrong way, Okay? But are you getting enough sleep? We should each be getting at least between seven and eight hours, really. What was that, Laura? <laughs> Laura's saying, when you've got a toddler, it's a bit more challenging. We should be aiming for seven to eight hours to sleep, really, every night. Now, you know, sometimes we can be fine on six and sometimes, you know, there's times where I only get six, sometimes less than that. And it's much better to have deeper quality than quantity. So actually, sometimes if I get six hours, but it's quality six hours, it's actually then better than eight or nine hours that would be interrupted, broken, constantly getting up. So you're never really entering into the deep rest. So actually, it's about quality is more important than quantity, okay? But it is an area, and some of you are like, oh, I haven't got time to do that. Actually, if you look into even the science of it, you know, you'll be way more productive if you look after yourself and get enough sleep. Okay, so what is one positive change you can make to start loving your physical body more? I want you to take that and process that with the Holy Spirit. Maybe for some of you, it's right, I'm going to go out and walk every day. And it may be for you, just go and walk around the block. Do something. Something is better than nothing. Maybe for you, some of you might like swimming. Some of you might like running. Some of you might like cycling. Okay? But do something. And I believe it will make a positive difference in your life. And here's the last thing that we'll look at. Another indication that you might be lacking in self-love. Tolerating abusive behavior. Tolerating abusive behavior. Now, whilst we're to love our enemies and we're to love everyone, that doesn't mean become a doormat. It doesn't mean people can just say whatever they want. They can call me horrible names. They can, you know, treat me badly. No, like... It's it's important that we have respect for ourselves. And some things we need to say, no, I am not listening to that, and you will not speak to me in that way. I'm not saying we get angry and aggressive, but we do need to assert healthy boundaries. And sometimes I know that's difficult because when it involves a family member or someone you work with, it can create some more complex dynamics. But let me say this, what you tolerate will ultimately dominate. Let me say that again. What you tolerate will ultimately dominate. So it's important that that you have that self-love and self-respect that sometimes there are boundaries that if you know you go into certain environments and you're constantly going to be put down, you're constantly going to be insulted, that's where you need a bit of that Holy Spirit courage to rise up within you and say, I'm sorry. Sometimes if it involves a family member, I want to spend time with you. I want to be around you. But I am not going to put up with constantly being insulted or constantly being put down. What you tolerate will ultimately dominate. I remember someone else saying to me, I was, I was in a situation where I was complaining about something. And I heard this preacher and he, and he said, Do not complain about what you are not willing to confront. I was like, ooh. Because I was doing a lot of complaining, but actually what I needed to do was go and confront and say, that is wrong and you cannot do that anymore. Do not complain about what you are not willing to confront. So God wants us to love him. With all of our heart, soul, mind, and strength, Every part of our being. He wants us to love other people in that horizontal way. Sharing God's love. And the reality is that you're going to be able to reach people that I don't have a chance to. That I may never meet. But God has given you a royal assignment from heaven to share his love. And then finally, we are to love our neighbor as we love ourselves. God wants each and every one of us to love ourselves in a healthy and appropriate way. Now, if you can resonate or if you relate to any of the message today, if you recognize that there is, there is room for improvement in the area of self-love, can I ask you to stand to your feet? And I'm up here and I'm standing because I know I've got room for improvement in my life. Let me just take it a step further. If you're not standing, you should be standing. Unless you are not able physically, which is fine. There's grace. For those of you who are not able, that's fine. Please don't feel you have to stand. The reality is there's room for improvement in all of our lives. I'm just going to invite Chosen just to come up and maybe play something as we pray. So I'm going to pray that the Lord will just really meet each and every one of us where we're at in, in our lives, that God will teach us, that he will help us, that he will fill us afresh with his spirit, that he will help us to love him with all of our being, that we will love others, and that we'll also learn to love ourselves in a healthy way. So let's pray, let's, let's give this over to God. Father God, we thank you that, Lord, even though we fall short so many times, we we mess up. We thank you that your grace is sufficient. We thank you that you made a way where there was no way. We thank you that you bridged that chasm of our sin, Lord, and that you saved us, Lord. We want to say thank you for that, Lord God. We want to praise you and say, God, we're so thankful for all that you've done in our lives, for all that you're doing. And, Lord, we want to be people that we better love you, Lord God, because, Lord, that's the most important thing, that we're loving you, God, the one that we were created by and for. So we pray that you would teach us, Lord God, what it means to love you, not just with part of our life, but with every part of our life, with all of our heart, soul, mind, and strength. Teach us to love you, God. Father, I pray, Lord, for this love revolution that, Lord God, it won't just stay with us. It won't just be us, you know, uh, cozying up with you, God. But, Lord, that we will share that love. We're called to share your love with the, the lost, the last, the least, the lonely, the broken, Lord, the hurting, the wounded. So, Father, Lord, God, I pray that, Lord, that we will play our part in the unique way that you've gifted and you've called us. May we do that, God. And, Father, I pray that, Lord, as we've been looking at today about what it means to love ourselves in a, in a healthy, God-honoring, biblical, appropriate way. Father, teach us, teach us. Help us, Lord, to love ourselves. Father Lord God where there is uh, negative voices at Lord that we've taken on board where there's lies that we've that we've accepted Lord I pray we right now we just break off every lie of the enemy Lord God Father we just break off every limiting mindset that does not come from you Lord God Father we just declare the truth that will set your people free I thank you that everyone here in Christ Jesus is accepted in the beloved Thank you that they're chosen, that they're called, that they're blessed and highly favoured. Thank you that, Lord, that they're loved with an everlasting love and that they don't have to earn it, they don't have to strive for it, but, Lord, they have your love simply because they are your children, loved by you. Father, Lord, I pray that you'd help each and every one of us to to speak graciously to one another, that, Lord, that, that... Lord, you just help us in renewing our mind, Lord God, to aligning with your truth that leads us to to freedom and greater fruitfulness, Lord. Father, we just yield to you. And Lord, we say sorry for the times that, that we have, that we've messed up, Lord. And we just thank you that today is a brand new day and that you are calling us to a higher level to walk with you, to soar with you, to live that abundant life that you came to give each and every one of us. So we just say thank you. And I just pray right now, I just pray for clear action steps, Lord, in this area of, of health and, and well-being physically, that, Lord, whatever it looks like, Lord, you are, you're our personal coach, you're our personal trainer. And so I just pray, Lord God, that whatever that looks like for every individual, Lord, Lord, this is not for a place of condemnation, but it's from saying, come up higher. I've got so much more for you. So, Lord, I just pray that each and every one of us will hear your voice, that we will know you more intimately, and that we will follow you. Father God, we just pray all of this, Lord, not in our own name, not in our own strength, but we pray it in that name that is above every other name, in the name of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. And all God's people in agreement said, Amen. Why don't we give the Lord a hand clap? Before we close today, um, it is David and Helena's last Sunday. And so uh, they're going to be moving up to, is it Essex? Yeah, up to Essex. And so I know we already prayed you out and then there was kind of complications with the house. And so it's kind of a take two. Uh, but we've been really blessed that you stayed extra long uh, here. And we are so thankful, so grateful for all that you've done, you know, in the church over the years. You know that our doors are always open to you, that you are part of our family, that we love you dearly. And we're so grateful for you. So we just want to pray and bless you. So let's just reach out our hands towards David and Helena as they transition, as they as well move into Poland uh, as well, the, the property they've had built there as well. So thank you for David and Helena. Thank you for their lives. Thank you for their witness. Thank you that, Lord, that you are sending them out, Lord, on a mission. But, Lord, this is not just retirement, Lord, but this is refinement, but Lord, you're refiring them, Lord, with a plan and a purpose from on high to do your work, Lord. So we bless them. We speak your protection. Thank you that this is a new day. It's a new season. It's a new start for them. And so we say thank you, Lord, for the blessing this couple have been to this church, Lord. And we know that they're going to be a phenomenal blessing where they go. Let there be a revival in Essex, Lord, and also in Poland, Lord. We pray for that. For your name's sake, in Jesus' name. Amen. Let's give David and Helena a round of applause.